I'm only going to take a little bit of time here this morning, and it's really going to be an introduction um, to what I'm going to be moving into. We are talking about being a winning church. Um, <clears throat> we've been talking about how to be missional, and uh, is primarily what we've been focusing on. We've talked about being relevant. We've talked about being spirit sensitive. We've just kind of touched on those things. We spent the last couple of weeks looking at the last couple of weeks looking at being missional, and how can we be more missional as a church? Um, and I, we talked about some practical guidelines, practical things to help you reach and make disciples for Jesus. Um, we also talked about being relevant. Last week we learned that um, being relevant, what that meant, um, and it really means to have something to say. It really means that you have something to offer that matters and that makes a difference. Well, we have a message that is relevant. We have a message that's going to be an impactful to the world around us. The world, uh, the church really should be relevant. That's what we should be above and beyond. We should be relevant because we have, we have things that matter. Our, our message is so important to a dying world. The message has not changed for 2,000 years, um, but... Um, our way that we're promoting that message, that we're communicating that message, has to change with time, with culture, uh, with, with how the world is. But God's message is perfect. It's how we're communicating that perfect message that changes over time. Because it's a relevant message, so we need to be a relevant people. And unfortunately, churches become irrelevant. They become un irrelevant, unrelevant, whatever, because we end up um, focusing on ourselves. We end up living in our own world, our own bubble, where we do what we're comfortable with. We don't step out of our comfort zone and go to other cultures and places. We, we like to sit, sit in our own circle and sing the songs that we're used to, sing what we like to do, talk the way we like to talk. Um, and we become irrelevant because we're not called to be comfortable we're called to be world changers and so many times a church can become like a club where it's us for and no more we focus a whole lot on who's here rather than on the lost who are not here what jesus called us to focus on was to go out into the world that that our focus is supposed to be on who's not here rather than on who is already here already going to heaven so Today I want to, we're going to shift a little bit. We're going to start talking today about being spirit sensitive. And what does it look like to be spirit sensitive? And what does that message look like? <clears throat> Jesus said in John chapter 12, 32, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Somewhere I have that scripture. Let me see here. I don't know what I did. Well, anyway, look it up. It's really in there. John 12, 32. There you go. That's your homework today. But Jesus said he would, he would draw people to himself. Jesus would draw people to himself. The biggest thing we can do in the world today to be missional, to be relevant, is shot, let Jesus loose. Let the Spirit of Christ loose into the earth and let him draw people, if we will lift Jesus up, if we will let Jesus be preeminent, he will draw people to himself. The biggest way that we could, uh, we could attract our friends, our neighbors, our family, let Jesus shine in you. 
The biggest thing we could do as a church if we want to draw a crowd of people is lift Jesus up. Lift Jesus up. We, and and we, we'd better be more than worrying about um, attracting people. We better be more worried about attracting Jesus and attracting his spirit. That needs to be our focus. That needs to be what we're doing as a church. How can I draw Christ here? How can I, how can I elevate and how do I, uh, how do I let the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit shine in this place and in my life? As opposed to the seeker sensitive philosophy. We want to be spirit sensitive rather than seeker sensitive. We're not living for people. We live for the Lord. We live for Jesus. And we trust Jesus to do the work. It still says in my Bible that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's not my job or your job to build the church. That's Jesus. Jesus just does that. Our job is to let him shine, to shine for Christ and let the Holy Spirit be preeminent in everything we're doing. So if it, it, it would... It would if I would let, let the Holy Spirit move as a pastor, if I let the Holy Spirit do whatever he wants to do today and just let the chips fall where they may, and that might sound crazy to some people, right? Some people are like, well, you can't do that. You can't let the Holy Spirit out. He, he might, the visitors might have a hard time with that. What are you doing? See, the seeker-sensitive philosophy believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, they don't belong in public gatherings. And, and we take those people who would desire to pursue those things and we put them in a back room because they think that God never meant for these things to happen in front of the lost people because it would turn them all off. So we have to kind of hide the Holy Spirit away. Like he's the crazy, the crazy uncle in the back room. No offense, Joe. This is my sister and brother-in-law, by the way, Linda and Joe, visiting me today. Glad you're here. Crazy uncle Joe is here. Whoa. Oh, no. Put him in the basement. <laughs> Put him down there. Don't let him out. But the New Testament gives us such a different view of how they treated the, 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 the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit operates in the New Testament. Very different picture of the working and manifestations of the Spirit. Remember, we started the series by looking and seeing that in the New Testament, the church openly did things. The church openly manifested in the Holy Spirit in front of people, and they weren't ashamed of it. It was on the day of Pentecost, they openly spoke in tongues in front of the public crowds. And on that day, 2,000 or 3,000 people get saved in the book of Acts, right? They healed the sick publicly in Acts chapter 3, in public places, right out there in front of everybody. They did it in front of everybody. They cast out devils in business places, in the business establishments, in the public spheres and atmospheres in Acts chapter 16. Try doing that at work. You know, you go and your co-workers acting a little weird and you cast the devil out of them. Blah! That'll get their attention. But we say, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that in public places. 
We got to do that in the prayer meeting. You do that in the basement prayer meeting. Make sure no, make sure no new people show up for this because they'll be freaked out by it. And they won't want to come here. But the New Testament church does this in front of everybody. All while the church grows exponentially and explodes. And today, rather than pursuing this, today, what do we say? Oh, yeah, we can't do that. We got to give them coffee and we got to give them donuts and we got to give them the right temperature. But don't let crazy old Holy Spirit out. It'll scare them. Where do we get this? Where do we pick up this mentality? And look at the results, would you? There's not one county in the United States that can report church growth, conversion growth. Church growth, yes, not conversion growth. There's Walmart growth. People leave the smaller churches and they go to Walmart church. They gather them together because it's exciting and it's happening and we can't hardly compete with that, honestly. But we're living in a society right now where there's more witches today than there are uh, Presbyterians. On the rise, right? Supernatural on the rise. Look at the TVs. Look at the, the movies that are out there. Look at what people are being drawn to. They're drawn to the supernatural. They're drawn to it. The biggest money makers are supernatural concepts, right, in the movies. But the church is sitting back going, oh, people don't want that. When's the last time you saw a movie about coffee? <laughs> that made a bunch of money. Coffee and donuts. When's the last time you saw it? Seriously, when's the last time that was, everybody was just drawn to this, right? And so we'd, we'd, better, re, we'd better rethink some of our thinking. If, if it's true, and this is absolutely true, look it up, you can look at the statistics, the fastest growing churches in the world are seeing that it's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The fastest growing churches in the world are growing because of signs, wonders, miracles, and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. While the church in America is shrinking and for the most part has become ashamed and embarrassed of the Holy Spirit. And rather than pursuing the modern, uh, I don't know, church growth, seeker-sensitive mentality, which is failing, we should be doing what Jesus urged the church to do in the book of Acts chapter 1 and be spirit-sensitive and pursue the Holy Spirit with everything we got. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be spirit-sensitive? Well, it is relying on, number one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Really relying on, on the power of the Holy Spirit, the releasing of that power into our lives. Now, today I'm not going to go really into the subject very deeply. I will next week. I promise you, next week we're going to really dive into this. But I just want to whet your appetite and get you thinking today, okay? So go ahead and touch your neighbor and say, this is just the appetizer. Just the appetizer, okay? That's all this is. I need you to think with me about the disciples. Think about those early disciples in the New Testament church. These are guys, think about this. They walked with Jesus, Jesus, for three and a half years. Walked with him. They observed him. 
They saw how he ministered. They saw how he talked to people. How did he pray for people? Jesus personally taught them for three and a half years. That's pretty good Bible school, don't you think? That's pretty good ministry education, don't you think? And, and he, they're, they're right there with him. They personally are observing this. They're personally mentored by the Lord Jesus in personal evangelism. How to do it. If anyone, if anyone could minister apart from uh, the power of the Holy Spirit and minister out of their abilities, out of their education background, out of what they knew, uh, it would have been the disciples. Wouldn't you agree? Who else would be more qualified than the people who got to walk and talk with Jesus? But yet, Jesus told these guys, you're not ready. You need more. The more is in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. This is the words of Jesus. Now listen to me. It says, on one occasion, while he, Jesus, is eating with them, he gave them this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem. Say, do not leave. But wait for the gift Say, wait for the gift. My father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power. Say, power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, say witnesses, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus promised them, you will receive the promise. That thing which was spoken way back in the Old Testament, the book of Joel, and promised the outpouring, the baptism, you will be baptized, you will be immersed in, you will be filled in and immersed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will receive this power when the Spirit comes on you. You're going to receive this power and you are going to go out and you are going to be my witnesses. That's what Jesus is promising them. And Jesus is saying to these guys, listen, until this happens, until you receive this promise, until you receive the infilling and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life until this happens to you, you're not ready. You're not ready to be my witnesses. You're not ready. You're not fully equipped. You're not fully prepared. So the problem is we have many churches that are that are not making this a priority. In fact, they believe that it's unnecessary or inconvenient or worse, totally embarrassing. But Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem without this. You're not going to be equipped until you have this. So let me ask you, if as a church, we are not going to rely on this, what Jesus said we needed, 
What Jesus said as a church, we have to have to be impactful to the world, to make disciples, to be missional, to be relevant. Unless you have this, you're not missional and you're not relevant. You can't be. You don't have what it takes. You don't have all you need. If we're not going to rely on the Holy Spirit, let me ask you, what are we going to rely on? What are we going to rely on? Our talent, our ability, our, our, our power to be clever, our power to be entertaining or tell a good joke once in a while. Hire a really good-looking pastor like this church did. <laughs> oh, not that. What are we going to rely on? What are you relying on? What are you relying on in your life to get the job done? You heard, you, Jesus says you have to go and make disciples of all nations. What are you relying on? If it's not going to be the Holy Spirit, what are we going to rely on? If you have not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're not ready. You're not fully equipped. That's Jesus talking. That's Jesus. It's not my idea. I didn't make this up. This is not me saying this. is not my opinion. My opinion really doesn't matter. Jesus says this. I didn't say you're not fully saved. I did not say you're not, uh, you're not a good Christian. I did not say that uh, you can't live a productive Christian life. I said you're not fully equipped. You're not fully equipped for the assignment at hand. Now, can, say, a Baptist who doesn't even believe in all this stuff, can they live a, a very productive Christian life? Absolutely they can. They do. Many Baptists are powerful, wonderful, godly people. I love them. They're brothers in Christ. They're sisters in Christ. They're going to heaven first because the dead in Christ will rise first. Oh, that was bad. I shouldn't have said that out loud. I'm just kidding. If you're a Baptist, I'm just, that's totally a joke. Seriously, total joke, total joke, total joke, total joke. But listen to me. You're just as, you're just as godly. You're loved just as much by the Father you're, you're, you're just as used by God as anybody else can be used if you don't believe in this. But according to the words of Jesus, we're not fully equipped. And this is not something that you can just say, yeah, we don't need that. When Jesus says, don't leave home without it. Jesus says, you need this. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to be equipped by the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to turn around and say, yeah, nah, that's not necessary. It's more important that we have good coffee. It's more important that uh, we have good preaching and we have, we have all this other stuff. The book of Acts tells us that we find the church... The church is not even a full, is not a, a world influence until after they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The disciples could have gone out right then and there and said, you know what, we have enough, we have good teaching, we have good, uh, we have good training, we have all the things we need, and let's go get this job done. They could have done that. But Jesus says, nope, you can't do it. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And, and so Jesus said the biggest result for the baptism of the Holy Spirit was that you would be witnesses. 
you would be witnesses. Now, if being a winning church means that we're, we're missional, we're relevant, that we have a message that's life-changing, that makes a difference, if it means being a soul winner, then we better have what Jesus said will cause us to do all of that. The early church depended on the power of the Holy Spirit. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Touch your neighbor and ask them, shouldn't you depend on the Holy Spirit? Shouldn't you depend on the Holy Spirit? And listen, nothing has changed since that time. We still need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to, I'm just going to give you a bunch of statistics here. I want you to hear how significant this experience is to the Great Commission. Now, according to the Pew Research Study of Global Christianity in 2011, Pentecostal and charismatic Christians together make up about 27% of all Christians. And it makes up more than 8% of the world's population, total world's population. Who are these people? These are people who rely on the Holy Spirit. These are people who have experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for instance. These are people who believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Pentecostals today are the fastest growing religious movement in the world. The human growth rate is 1.4%. Let me just tell you, here's the, here's the church growth rate within Christianity. Pentecostals are 8.1%, growing at 8.1%. So they're eight times more or so than the human growth rate, right? That's good news. Evangelicals, other evangelicals are 5.4%. All Protestants together are 3.3%. Roman Catholics and others are 1.3%, not even keeping up with the human growth rate. Probably the most dramatic effect of Pentecost has been in Latin American countries. And we're seeing that in Latin American countries, nearly one in five Latin Americans now describe themselves as, as, as Protestants. And across the countries surveyed, majorities of them self-identified as Pentecostals or belonging to a Pentecostal denomination. In Brazil, there were two Pentecostal congregations in 1920, and they grew up to 200 by 1930, and now there are over 25,000 congregations. In 1950, 10% of the Hispanic Protestants were Pentecostals. In the year 2000, over 50% were Pentecostal. Now, what does this mean? It means that by utilizing, by tapping in and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, evangelism is happening at an exponential rate. Do you see this? It's having a major, major impact. In fact, um, the Catholic cardinals, as they look at Latin America, have one of the major Catholic cardinals said that the Pentecostal movement in South America is, has been more devastating to the Catholic Church than the Protestant Reformation because of the numbers of people that are coming into the church Many of them leaving the Catholic Church because they've never been born again and they're, they're just, it's been a religious, it's been, I'm not saying all Catholics are that way. There's some Catholics that absolutely are in love with Jesus, that are born again, that are powerful people and, and love the Lord. But there's many, many, many who are traditionalists because they, they're Catholics because they were baptized as a baby, so you're in, you're a Catholic. 
but they've had no encounter with God. And they're stepping into places where the power of the Holy Spirit manifests and they're being saved, they're being delivered, they're being set free for the first time and it's impacting them and it's showing it because it's taking over culture is what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that this experience has accomplished exactly what Jesus promised it would do. It's making us witnesses. It's making evangelism happening. Not relying on ourselves, not relying on our power, but relying on on who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit has to offer. It's the most powerful thing that we could tap into. And I'm going to give more teaching on this next week, but, but, but now let's just simply ask the Lord for more today. I'm my, my hope is that I just want to whet an appetite that there could be more for you. There could be more. There's more than just relying on my ability. There's more than just relying on how good I can do this. More than relying on how brave I'm feeling at the moment. But we can rely on the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you, pray all week long. Would you do that just all week long? Saying, Jesus, I want more. Now, I don't care if you... You say, well, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, Pastor. That happened to me in 1975. Well, that's great, but what has happened to you since 1975? Because my Bible says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. When's the last time the Holy Spirit really filled you up? When's the last time you got empowered by the Holy Spirit? Where he came upon your life and you were energized by him and and you, you, know, you knew you could take on the world because the Holy Spirit came upon you. When's the last time that happened to you? And I'm saying this week, would you be praying for more of the Holy Spirit? How many of you guys have room for more in there, right? How many of you guys are hungry for more? I want more of him. I just want more of Jesus. Here's what happened. When you get more of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's job is to glorify Jesus. You get more of the Holy Spirit, you get more of Jesus. It's a package deal. It's a trinity, man. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, all together. And he's going to fill you and empower you and equip you and do some mighty things in and through you and in your life. And it's going to be powerful. And we can be praying for this. Now, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11 says, Ask, it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give good gifts to those who ask him. Sandy, come on up, but listen to me. Jesus says this. If, if you're here this morning and think, you know, I don't know about all that Pentecostal stuff. That's kind of weird. I don't, I don't know that I want. I'm okay with Jesus, but I'm not so sure about all this other stuff. I don't know if I want to get weird. Well, let me give you some good news. The requirement is not that you be weird. In fact, let me just say that when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, He changes you from being weird to being normal. 
He heals you. He delivers you. He sets you free. And whatever it is, it's probably already, you're probably already weird. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're probably already weird. But He wants to come on you and He wants to make you whole. He wants to make you complete, right? He wants to do some really great things for your life. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you're going to ask for the Holy Spirit, you can know your Heavenly Father is good and He's going to give you something good. He's not going to bait and switch you and give you something evil and something weird and something crazy and something that's going to be bad for you. He's going to give you something good. Good and perfect things. So I want you all week just to be hungry and asking Him every day, God, I want more of you. Holy Spirit, I want more of you. I'm going to tear down all my walls. I'm going to tear down all my barriers. I want more. I want more of you. I want more of your presence. I want more of your instruction. I want more of your help. I want more of your encouragement. I want more of your power. I want more of your healing. Jesus says, if you hunger, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. So this week, let's pray as a church. Lord, make us hungry. Stand with me this morning, would you? right now make it make it your cry of your heart god make me hungry make me hungry lord see the bible says he in in psalm 23 he sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies he sets a table it's a banqueting feast here's what happens we come to that feast that he has for us and we're already full we filled up on all that the world has. We filled up on entertainment. We filled up on this. We filled up on that. We filled up with busyness. We filled up with our schedules. And we come to the table and we say, number one, I don't have time to eat all this. And number two, I'm not very hungry. And so I'll just have a dinner, man. And he has so much more for us. So this week, my challenge is clear, clear your table off. Clear and make room in your heart for more of his presence more of an encounter with the Holy Spirit and let him fill you you don't have to wait for next week this week get filled up this week just let him have times of, of encounters with the Lord set a time uh, set aside time to, to meet with him and, and be in his presence saying God just fill me up today fill me up today Jesus Jesus come Lord just come Lord Jesus Holy Spirit, we just ask you right now as a people, as a congregation, fill us up. Make us hungry this week, Lord. What are appetites, God? Because we need you. We cannot succeed. We cannot be a winning church without your presence, God. We don't dare take another step without you, Lord. We are like Moses. Unless you go before us, don't even bother sending us, Lord. Oh, God, we need you today and every day and tomorrow and the next day. We didn't just need you when we got saved. We still need you just as much, God. We're desperate for you. And half the time, we don't even know how desperate we are. So open our eyes, God, and give us a revelation of how much we need you. Open our hearts, open our eyes, open our mouths, God. Help us to feast on your presence 
this week, Lord. Jesus, you said we need more of you, that we need to be immersed with, we need to be inundated with, we need to be saturated with the Holy Spirit before we can do anything for you, Lord. And you said if we seek, we would find. If we knock, the door will be open. So we are here this morning, God. We are, we are going to knock. We're going to seek. We're going to ask. And we're going to believe that we will receive what we're asking for, God. You, are, you have nothing but good gifts for us, Lord. And so we're here to receive those things from you this morning and this week in Jesus' name.